0: Welcome back to the Morale Clubhouse Podcast, where we discuss all things Cubs with the Morale community, led by Fred, unofficial director of Morale for the Chicago Cubs. I'm t-shirt guy Adam. Today is Tuesday, August 3rd, and we're talking about the Bryant-Risen bias trades and spend even more time talking about what this means for the future of the Cubs, our confidence levels in Jed, and this new different type of excitement for Cubs fans as we leave the golden era and enter in our new rebuilding phase.
1: couple days it's been. A Thursday and Friday. Friday in particular is probably something we'll never see before. There, I don't think there's ever going to be another instance where you are trading off that many players. Um, I don't want to say unexpectedly, but maybe not to the extent that it actually got to Anthony Rizzo in particular and then really hobby. On that Friday, I think many people thought going into Friday that Javi was going to be the one that stayed. Um, And then obviously that wasn't the case. It's something that was was arguably unprecedented. I don't think we're ever going to see that again as Cubs fans. And uh, whether you want to say fortunately, unfortunately, I don't think anyone's ever going to forget that moment. I certainly won't. Um, I know there's a lot to unpack, specifically the trades what we got in return, where do we go from here, what's the outlook of the team, how should we be feeling, so on and so forth. So I'm excited to listen to everyone. I've been telling Adam this for a while. It felt like – and I've been tweeting out for a while. It felt like we've been kind of stuck in neutral over the last month, not really knowing what's going to happen with this team. And now we finally have some semblance of uh, – what's left and what direction we might be going into and personally for me i think maybe many would agree it's kind of hard when you don't know what's next you don't know where to go you don't know who is going to be on the team Uh, at least now we have some idea and we can at least move forward from there Uh, and while it is painful because you know we lost almost the entire core 75 percent of the core you know, so, again, I'm excited to hear where everyone's at. Um, definitely a difficult time, uh, a strange time, but at least I would say – I mean, I'm not going to say it's better, but at least we know what's going to happen or we have a better idea of what's going to happen moving forward. Hey, Fred, I was saying this to you on this past weekend, just like, just a wild uh, – Roller coaster of emotions from like watching a tribute video, then watching Ortega hit three home runs, to then watching Rizzo hit home run. And then you see the stats come out about like how much room the Cubs had to spend the next couple of years. And it's like back
0: and forth. You're like, oh, I miss yeah. nostalgia. Then it's like, but we do have a future maybe enough going
1: forward. For um, sure. What was your biggest takeaway? Biggest takeaway was that. Jed wanted to shut it down. Jed burned it all to the ground. I mean, I didn't think – I was – and I know we've talked about it over these uh, clubhouses. You know, I always thought up until that 11-game losing streak, maybe in the middle of that 11-game losing streak, I'd always said that if we were going to ride it out with this team one more time, invest in them, go all in, try to fill the holes that we had, You know, that we saw in April and May, even when the team was doing well via starting pitching. Once that fell apart and once we knew that we were not going to add to the team, then I kind of said, well, if you're not going to add to this group, there's no point of keeping them around. You kind of have to sell them off as hard as that may be. But I didn't think Jed would go all in and literally sell all three players. The Anthony Rizzo one set the tone, and I would actually argue that the Anthony Rizzo was done first for a reason, kind of to set the expectation of what was to come on Friday, which was an absolute free-for-all. And, uh, you know, again, something we'll never see before. But trading Anthony Rizzo first, and I know Jock was traded. I know Chafin. I I get that. But Anthony Rizzo is a different animal. Him going first on that Thursday, right after the game, after he sat out the entire game. I know people are probably going to talk, want to talk about David Ross not giving him that bat. Doesn't that seem like it was a year ago? It seems so long ago to me personally. Um, the fact that he went all in and burned it to the ground, burned it entirely to the ground, shut the core off, is, again, something... Uh, that took me by surprise. I thought Rizzo might be the one to stay around, but I also kind of felt like everyone was on the table. That's what I was always hearing. I was, you know, everyone consistently said that, and uh, I took their word for it. And I tried to give the message out to everyone else, and I guess that's how it played out. So, um, you know, Jed wants to move on. I think a lot of people want to move on. Not everyone, you know. I'm, I'm up in the air. Even though I do feel good about what Jed did. Uh, but it is sad, uh, and just because of that, that was my biggest takeaway from the weekend, for sure. Freddie, let me know if you can start to see people raising their hands, because I don't. But you guys oh, start raising your hands uh, for questions, I comments. Thought I it's only you, you, you again. I thought... Adam, how's it going?
2: Hey, good. How you guys doing?
1: What's up, Adam?
2: Hey, curious to get your reaction from Jed. On the radio this morning and his comments about, hey, we came to the table because, I mean, I think with KB and Boris, there was always going to be from somebody, whether it was us or somebody else, some massive (laughs) payday at the end of it. But I'm really, I'm really struggling to decide (laughs) whether I believe Jed or not, or if the players were too. Beholden to their agents and just holding out, holding out, holding out, you'll get paid somewhere at the end.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's a great question. I, I'm in the middle too. I think I've always said during this whole thing, the reason from all of this is both sides were at fault. If you even want to call it a fault. Um, I've always said at the front office, there are a bunch of savages, especially over the last couple of years. They've, whether it be because of the Ricketts family, you know, uh, pinching pennies or just their framework of everything, of how they're looking at players, so on and so forth. They're savages. They're not just going to give players money for what they've done in the past. It's just, you can look up and down, Shore or Lester, and then all the guys they just traded. It's not how, how they operate. And I think it's probably going to change. It's probably going to be that way moving forward. And I think fans are going to have to get used to that. Um, But then I agree with what, you know, the players expectations, there was a difference on value um, from who I've talked to. I think a lot of the players, you know, whether it be going back to 2016, they won and they kind of felt that uh, they could get whatever they wanted in the future. And I think they're going to get whatever they want. I think Javi's going to get a massive payday. I think Chris Bryant's going to get a massive payday. I think Anthony Rizzo's going to get paid as well. And, the players that have every right to do that, but I, I always go back, try to think about this logically. Like The team also has the you know ability and the right to say, you know what? We just don't think it's working. We know you're going to get paid. We're going to trade you somewhere else, put you on the free market, take away the compensation pick, which is going to be huge uh, for their free agency chances coming this winter. And listen, they parted ways it wasn't working. Again, I think both sides are at fault, if you even want to call it that. It's part of the business. I know that's cold-blooded for me to say. I know I might sound a little insensitive by saying that, but it's just the truth. And when you don't win in 2019, you uh, get swept by the Marlins in the playoffs, and then you have one of these years in 2021 coming off of you know losing to the Rockies in 2018, this is what happens. This is what happens, and it doesn't mean the Rickets are – you know, perfect in all this. It doesn't mean that Jed's perfect in all this. It definitely doesn't mean the players are perfect in everything that has gone on, but it's a business. They wanted to move on. I do believe Jed made, you know, some uh, legitimate offers to these guys. I'm not going to be specific on who, but I, I think that's going to come out in the, in the near future and we'll see what everyone gets paid. But Jed also can be like, you know what? It's not working. We need to move on. We need to reset the farm system. And uh, we can transition quickly, and I believe that's what they're going to do uh, moving forward. But it is what it is.
2: Yeah, as sad and as sudden as it was at the end, you cannot yeah. deny that this team had its chances. And Absolutely, The, the yeah. end of 2018 was when it all started going sideways, but they ran it back and they ran it back. And they yep. didn't get it done.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And again, I, I tweeted it last night. Everyone's at fault. Everyone's at fault myself included you know i'm always going to be gassing these guys up uh but in the end it wasn't enough and i thought what jed said today again i'm not here trying to hold water for jed the entire time but i think he made a very key point which is objectively true is if you're going to win a world series you need to have a performance from one of these guys that is mvp caliber that is Uh, you know, ungodly, like we saw Chris Bryant have in 2016, like we saw him have in 2017, which is why they won as many games, it's why they got back to the NLCS. It wasn't going to come from one of these three guys. None of these guys were going to have MVP seasons again. Maybe Chris was at the start of this year, but we saw he fell off in May and June. Um, And you need some of those performances. It wasn't coming from this group. And, again, they had their chances. It didn't work out. They had differences on what they should have gotten paid. And in the end, Jed said, I can't take a chance keeping these guys around and not being able to resign them. We have an opportunity here to improve our long-term health. That's what they did. And I really cannot fault them at that. Thanks, Adam. Thanks.
0: All right, Ryan, you're next up.
3: What up, guys? How are you all doing? What's up, Ryan? I'm not sure if you heard Dom, but I'm still not leaving. I ain't going anywhere.
1: I'm not going anywhere either.
3: I may be in L.A., and I may be a few hundred miles away from Chris Bryant, but I'm going to pick him up and bring him right back to the federal landmark. I am ready. I am ready. I hear Um, you. Well, I just want to say, first of all, I think thank you is an understatement for what we can say to the guys who left. Like Absolutely. Including Chafin, including him, like I'll throw him and Dirty Craig in there as well, because what they did was remarkable, and they put us on a map for you know a few weeks. The season, I thought, hey, we're going for we're going for a pennant, but you know, obviously there were different plans out there. Um, But I just want to talk about just Rizzo in New York. My brother is a huge Yankees fan, and he texted me immediately when he saw the deal go through, and he was like, "Why is he over here? Like, we just got Gallo. What are the Yankees trying to do?" And I mean'm I'm, I'm confused on the move too, but um, I think I, th- I love seeing him still wrap all of the cubby gear over there. him wearing the batting gloves and the shoes and even his gloves still has some of that blue lining in it that I could that I knew he played um, over at the federal landmark with, but yeah, I mean the guy looks sad. We need, we need to bring him home. And I think of the big three with this off season, my guess is he's our highest chance of bringing him back. So I want to know your thoughts on that one.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I would I, I would say it as well. I've also thought that Chris Bryant probably has a better chance because he's the best player. I really believe this as this has gone on. I think t- today probably, uh, you know, completed my thought on it. I just don't know if there's a chance of it happening. I think they were traded for a reason. If the money wasn't there going into um, – The start of this season and beyond that, you know, I know the offer of five years, $70 million. I just don't see that increasing. And Rizzo is going to get paid somewhere else. He he is. He's going to get paid somewhere else. There's going to be a team that says, hey, we're one piece away, truly one piece away or just like one of the like carnival act team that that needs a guy, needs a face, needs someone that they're going to pay him. And that's no disrespect to Anthony Rizzo, but he has every single right to pursue those opportunities. And again, just because he gets paid somewhere else, doesn't mean it's the right move for the Cubs. And I'm not saying not, I'm not saying having Anthony Rizzo or, or paying Anthony Rizzo is a bad thing. Absolutely not. But I also like see both sides of it and, you know, there are some question marks for sure with Anthony. The back performance, even though he has been playing over the last month. Um, I would love for him to come back. I really would. I would love for him to get paid here. But I'd also be naive to just be like there's one spot for him and it's only in Chicago when you see all these other teams that can benefit from a first baseman that can get on base, that can, you know, make contact, still hit for power, be a good leader. Like, listen, this is the whole reason for why when we would uh, when we did these uh, morale clubhouses back in February and March um, when they did when they gave him that offer at the beginning of the season five uh, five years seventy million dollars that is when Pandora's box opened and now mm-hmm. whatever it is four months later we're finding ourselves in this situation where we're actually living this reality and um, So I would say the percentage, uh, the percentage chance of them coming back is incredibly low, just because I don't think the money's going to be there, and I think Jed wants. I truly think Jed wants to move on, and for that's going to piss a lot of people off. I totally understand that, but it's Jed's job to come up with the next great Cubs team, and if if it doesn't work out, then he's going to get fired for it, presumably. So, so it is what it is. Time will tell. We'll see what Anthony gets on the open market. I know it sucks. I know it cuts deep, but that's the reality of being, you know, a a fan of a major league team with high expectations. Um, That's how it goes.
3: Perfect. And I got one last question for you, maybe more on a a lighter note, but probably a far more personal note. Uh, When you talked to Yelly the other day at uh, the Wrigley North, how did that go? Did he know you? Uh, What what went down?
1: We, we, we came to terms on an agreement to uh, hash out the bad news, first, if you want to call that. That's going to be coming soon. Um, we just need him to not have COVID anymore. I hope he's feeling better. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was very well. We did social dis- distance. Neither of I did not give him COVID. I don't have COVID. I actually just got tested the other day. Um, and uh, I hope he's doing well. More to come with that, but yes, uh, the federal landmark. That place is a dumpster fire, and uh, White Sox Brewers. I should have got a medal of honor for being there uh, on the bachelor party that I was on. And then um, I don't know, the place sucks, but it was, I guess, you know, good to talk to Christian.
3: Perfect. Thanks so much, Dom. Cubs and four.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, we're also getting comments in from the from the restream. So, you know, Splooge McDuck says in the grand scheme of things, the offense broke in 2018 and never fully recovered. I think it was time for sure. You agree, Fred? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, this is, this is what's been going on for a long time. Like, I remember 2000, uh, 2019. I was in California, that Pirate Series. I think they got swept. Um, they gave up. I it was like a seven-run lead. That was also the uh, who's the guy? I forget who, the one of the the guys they got in a trade from the A's. I forget what his name, Tony something. I should know his name right now, but um, he had that big home run or triple, whatever. But it totally fell apart. The bullpen fell apart. And then they just haven't been they haven't been consistent offensively, which is what I'm excited to talk about with uh, acquiring Nico. Um, or, or Maduro and Nico bring them together in the middle infield. I think that's exciting. I think it fills a hole that the Cubs have had for so long, having this power-hitting, strikeout approach. I remember specifically 2015, Jed and Theo talking about what the framework of this offense is going to look like, and they always said that strikeouts will be a part of their DNA, and guess what? They were right, and yes, we won a World Series. Yes, we got, we got to the NLCS three times, but those were some different offenses than what we saw you know, over the last four years. And it wasn't perfect. It was successful. They did win uh, an NL Central in 2020, and they made it to the playoffs in 2018. But it was definitely inconsistent, and I think Jed wants to change that. And, again, he has every right to do so. If he feels like it has to change, if he feels like it's not working, I think many fans would uh, you know, agree with that. Then they have the right to do so.
2: Hey Dom, real quick. Thinking yeah. back to to that core and that time, you cannot like underestimate the importance of Zobrist and For how sure. weirdly Zobrist ended. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. we've read about it, but that you know, seventeen, eighteen, For I was sure. not having him was huge.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, a guy who can fill in and really. I mean, oddly enough, like hit in the cleanup spot at 2016 season. I think many people are arguing that he like had a little MVP run in him. So consistent, got on base, put the ball in play, hit for some a little bit of power, but, you know, decent, pretty good average, so on and so forth. It's huge the same way. You know, Chris Coglin, going back to 2015, there's been these key players before, you know, this last stretch of Cubs' offenses that have gotten it done and they fill the hole and they've put the ball in. It's just – it's it's so important. And, again, I think that's what Jed wants. I think they see where the league's going I – I'm mean, not where the league's going, where the league is with you know, high velocity, spin rate, filling up the top of the zone. If you just watch some of the uh, yeah, at-bats that our guys have and how they're getting pitched – I mean, you know, our guy Ian in particular. I mean, he cannot he doesn't see a ball lower than the the uh, his chest right now, and it's obviously something he struggles with. And he's going to continue to get pitched like that, and we see that up and down the lineup. And if you need to have guys that can make that adjustment, that can hit the top of the zone, and so on and so forth, and it's critical. And that's why I think the you know the Cubs specifically. Uh, scouted out Madrigal and thought he'd be a good fit, and I, I, I'm really excited to see what that middle infield can do and how it can help the offense moving forward into this next core. Say the offense broke in
0: 2018. It makes it wasn't easy to take all that, all those hits on Friday.
1: It was a bloodbath, but yeah. you knew that like something had to change. Um, yeah. but I don't know for you, Fred. What was the for me the worst part of the Thursday Friday just brutal bloodbath was like knowing that the end of that era was over like that was like that's gonna be nostalgia for me i was in college during all that
0: and that was like maybe i was too emotionally tied in my happiness to like just the beauty of that team and wrigley field at the time um but i also know that there's also a lot of frustration
1: there's like the cubs didn't spend enough and and
0: and, uh, support that team
1: for me i I was just pure emotion was like that's that's the end of the era I'm, i'm not gonna have that Yeah, for sure. And I don't know, um, if anything will really be replicated like that. you know, everyone coming up at the same time and the whole field do it all, obviously the first world series in so long. Uh, yeah, they, they totally changed the expectations. Um, I, you know, I know I hype guys up, I know I gas them up, but I do think as we've come down to this moment, you know, I really try to look at, look at things objectively. And I was just kind of ready for this. And, um, It, of course, was hard, um, but, you know, you go through so many years of struggles, and you hear so many things, and so many people complain, this offense stinks, and they can't do this, they're overrated, and I'm not saying I bought into that, but, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by how many people are like, well, they didn't pay this, they didn't pay that. It's like, so many people have complained about this team for so long, and I'm not saying they're correct, but. I just find it ironic how you know, the convenient arguments that are made. And again, I hope these guys go on to produce great careers. But it, you're right; we're we're never going to have something like this, and we'll never have that core again together. It's just it's just not going to happen. There's no chance it's going to happen. So brutal. People complaining like, right? Then you don't you don't deserve Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, ever, I mean, listen. This is what I. I've been doing this for a long time, and I feel that all the questions, all the complaints, all the, you know, Javi, Rizzo, Chris, Chris Bryant is in clutch. I mean, the whole deal. And this is, uh, and now that they're gone, everyone wants to dance on the grave. And, you know, they, they have a right to do that, and not resigning the court. Like, I get it. I get it. But I don't know. It's just, I guess that's the way social media is. You can just take advantage of things. But yeah, it's it's a totally new era. And um, one that we'll look at, one we'll look back at fondly for everything that they've done. It wasn't perfect, but they got the job done the one time they won the World Series, they changed the expectations, they made it to the playoffs on many occasions. Um, I think it's the way it ended, how it tapered off consistently, right? We haven't won a uh, playoff game since 2017. If I would have told you all that in 2016, after World Series saying you you all are going to win, Correct me if I'm wrong. You all are going to win four playoff games moving forward, and you are only going to make it to – you're going to win one more NL Central, and you're only going to make it two more playoff appearances. Everyone would have told you after 2016 that is absolutely crazy. Oh, I'm sorry, three more playoff appearances. Yeah. Um, they would have said you're uh, absolutely crazy. Two two NL Central's. I'm messing this up. Two NL Central's. Three playoff appearances. Four playoff wins. People would have said you're absolutely crazy. So, um, yeah, it is. It is what it is. Um, and I guess time. It's now time to just reflect on it all. Ty, you're next up. How's it going?
4: Oh, it's going as well as it can, you know. What's up, Ty? Yeah. So, actually this isn't really part of like a question per se, but I think whenever you're talking about like the way that the game changed, um, I think specifically the game changed because 2015 happened and it happened so quick and everyone was like, Oh shit, how are we going to get these guys out for the next 10 years? And then, so everyone went out and just loaded up on, you know, dudes that Chuck 98 said, we'll get them a breaking ball down the road. And we're just like, We'll just we'll just pound them, and so that's not that's not an accident. Like it was deliberate. That's how it happened. And so it's time for us to you know course correct the same way the rest of the league did, or else you know uh, who knows what happens. But so one thing that I've always been like really fascinated by is the Red Sox and how they can just like like they just traded a legitimate perennial MVP candidate even more in his prime than any of these dudes that just got traded and they uh-huh. did it knowing that it hurt, but yep. it shaved years off of a rebuild. Now, that's just kind of how I'm looking at it. But the second phase of that is not just trading everybody. It's doing a good job scouting and free agency and having yep. random dudes, you know, come in and produce like instantly all the free agent signings seem to work out. So I'm wondering you know, what is the next phase? It can't just be like, like they don't do a four-year rebuild. No, it never shit. happens. Yeah, no. never it's happens. Not it's, it's not even, it's not even in their vocabulary. Yeah, And no so way. the way I'm looking at it is, so what do you think about using the payroll flexibility to eat a Hosmer who is not great, but you have so much flexibility. And if you could get uh. a legitimate high impact guy out of it like I think that's something that should definitely be on the table this off season more so than I mean even if you add let's say a Cassianos which he's gonna get even more valuable because there's gonna be a DH. Yeah and then a Hosmer who's a veteran he's not great he's not gonna change the face of your lineup but like there's usable pieces right now. What about trying something like that
1: I know I'm I, I'm all for it I think you have to look no further than the uh, Ken Rosenthal report that said that the Rays and the Cubs were looking to do a uh, glass now Kimber Kimberl trade and kicking the tires on that I think that's all I think that's all it has to say I know Jed went out on radio and said well I don't know when we're gonna spend I don't know when this is all gonna happen I don't know when things are gonna turn you know I I think he's probably saving his ass a little bit, not trying to be so forthcoming and trying to put expectations on everything, kind of like the Cubs did back in 2012 when they they set the rebuild and so on and so forth. I really don't think this takes as long as everyone's going to say. And I, and I think there are many reasons for why that's the case. Number one. Whether you believe in morale's lay, whether you believe in the young pitchers or not, they are here and they are coming and they are really going to have the opportunity to pitch on an everyday basis. Whether that be Keegan Thompson, morale's lay obviously. Justin Seale, he's been absolutely uh, shoving down in A. We saw what he can do in the big leagues. Kyle Hendricks, he's having another fantastic year ever since that rough start. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, so they're talking about four spots right there. All right, great. You have a middle infield. You have a backstop. Hopefully they pay in, uh, you know, Wilson and Teresa so would be huge. And then you have five, five other spots on the roster and in the starting rotation. You yeah, have a good bench. You have Patrick Wisdom. You have David Bodie, who's not giving a lot of love, even though he's absolutely killing the ball. Uh, Ortega, I'm not saying he's going to be part of things, but you have ways to fill out this roster. And, again, like you said, there is so much payroll flexibility. I really think, Jed, while he didn't say it today, he didn't really put the effort and try to put the expectations, uh, you know, out there. I really don't see this going very long. And when you have so much opportunity to spend, whether you take on a bad contract for prospects or whatever it may be, I just think they're going to be aggressive. I hope they're aggressive. If they're not aggressive, I think everyone should be as critical as they can be because the opportunity is there. The free agent market is solid. There are so many guys that you look at they are like, you know what? That would be perfect for the Cubs. That fits exactly what they need, so on and so forth. Um, so that's why I think it is. Four years is absolutely ridiculous. Three years is ridiculous. Two years at max. I don't even uh, – two years to me is way too long, especially with the pieces that they have right now. And it all goes back to the pitching because you can go back to 2014. I know you had um, Jake. I know you had Kyle Hendricks, but that was really it. And they still had to go – resign. they had to sign John Lester. They had to go get a lackey. They had to go get a Hamill. That's a totally different scenario than where the Cubs are right now. And the Cubs have proven consistently that they can go out and build bullpen pieces, uh, reclaim these uh, careers that guys have had. They've shown that on consistent years now. Two to three years they've shown that they can develop guys in the bullpen So I think they're at a totally different scenario, a totally different stop in this franchise's trajectory going back to 2013 and 14 um, than where they are right now. I just think there are so many more opportunities to improve this team, free agency, trades, whatever it may be. And what's exciting is that now with that opportunity, you you now have this plethora of prospects that will be coming not in a year, Not in two years. Maybe Davis comes next year. But there is a a majority of guys who are coming four years from now, which is going to be a lot different than what we saw, the last reset or rebuild, whatever you want to call it, um, which is exciting. I know I went on a long-winded tangent there, but those are where my thoughts are at. And when someone says four years, three years, absolutely not. That is so long, so ridiculous. The point that you brought up with the, the Red Sox is perfect because they can go out you know, get rid of a Mookie Betts, and now they're back being one of the best teams in baseball. They've shown it on a consistent basis. And no one's talking about that. I'm not saying that they should be, you know, praised for not signing, re-signing Mookie Betts. But um, there are many different ways that you can go about this. In the end, you're always going to have to spend. But there are many different ways you can go about this, and uh, the Red Sox have proven that. I think the Cubs can do the same thing.
4: And I don't think – the I think payroll flex having payroll flexibility is like such an understatement. Like it is, oh, yeah. it is laughably low. Yeah. absolutely. Like 2024 currently has with, without arbitration guys, it has $5 million in guaranteed contracts. We're talking two off seasons away. Yeah. $5 million. Yeah. Like it's beyond flexible. It's, Effectively unlimited,
1: and this is why. And and Ty, I'm glad you brought this up. And I just want everyone to think about this. While the payroll is low, while the you know there's a lot of opportunities, if you put yourself in Jed's shoes, you can understand why he made the moves that he made. If you cannot come to agreements with these players, and you're saying it has not worked, we've gotten bounced from the playoffs. We haven't won a playoff game since 2017. Why are we going to hamstring ourselves to deals that we are very not comfortable with signing when we have the opportunity to have payroll flexibility, flexibility, new regain the farm system, so on and so forth. I'm not saying everyone should be jumping for joy about that, but I just think it's important to think about it objectively being like, you know what? It does make sense for why they did that. I know it stings. I know it hurts. I know it puts a bad taste in people's mouths, but, I really would argue that the moves that they made, what the whole outlook is moving forward, is totally different than, again, going back to 2012 or 2013. It is so much different.
4: Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think it's, uh, I think Jed basically has a, a blank page to do with, with whatever he wants. And yeah. especially if, the starting pitching, like, if one of those dudes works out, cheap starting pitching is next to impossible to find. If two of those yeah. dudes work out, I mean, you have one of the deepest farms in baseball now. If you couple that with a – I mean, Kyle Hendricks is as cheap of an ace, as cheap as the number two as you're ever going to find. Absolutely. And, you know, that's where money gets tied up is the rotation. So if you can fill out two – Three pieces. Like I said last time, maybe the Dodgers, they run out of $300 million contracts. And, uh, you know, Walker Bueller is the one that gets to walk. Like, you just never know. Barrios, it could be any number of people. And And just having even the opportunity to say, okay, we're in the game here. We can go sign a six year deal. We can go lock up somebody seven years. Like, it's just nice to have. And that's what we haven't had for, what, four years now?
1: For sure, and and again, I think you could put the the blame on the Reeds family for not opening up the pockets, not going over the luxury tax for a third year. I I get it. I I totally understand it, but I guarantee that they will spend again. They will absolutely spend again, whether it be this offseason or next. It could be a little bit of both. They are going to spend again. It is is going to happen. They are not going to have these artificially low payrolls suppress you know what they're trying to do financially it is not going to happen they're going to be the big dogs again i just hope they can be the big dogs earlier and later to really get this thing moving again because of all the opportunities that they have with the roster that they have presented to them and the opportunities that they have in the starting rotation you know in the middle of the infield so on and so forth i think it's exciting and i know it's been tough i know trading three you know legends Of a franchise is incredibly hard and something that we'll never see again. But there is some positives to uh, focus on and really build off of moving forward. It's it's not the same excitement as a playoff run, yeah. But it is
0: almost just as exciting in other ways. This other side of the trade deadline, where you're like digging your feet in for this new team, and you're like, what's going to come up? Like, where are we going to sign? What are these?
1: In watching these games, Fred, I know you're watching these games like you've been tweeting off these individual performances, like
2: you're yeah. seeing
1: guys have good games and it, it gets you amped up for, for what can come and how you can build around it, because that's what made 2016 so special. Everyone saw that come together.
0: That was exciting. Hopefully now it's not as long, but it's, it's still a level of excitement for sure to watch, to watch. Hopefully they spend and we're not putting too much uh, faith in the rickets, but um Hopefully, it comes together because it's it's
1: still exciting to watch these games, as meaningless as they are in the in the season. For sure, yeah. And i uh, like I said, I've I haven't been locked into three games like I have over the last couple. Of, I know that's going to surprise people, but listen, I I cut my teeth doing this going back to two thousand thirteen and fourteen, grinding out minor league games, watching, see, seeing who's going to be on the roster moving forward. Like this is, I'm not going to say I live for this. But this is the type of stuff that that wakes you up, that reminds you why the good times are so great. Is because you build it up from here, and I know that's hard to say coming right off trades. I know the wound is still fresh. I totally understand that. But again, if you want it to go faster, then sometimes you got sometimes you got to bite the bullet and make some of these moves. It's just it's just the fact of the matter, and um, I guarantee you, people are gonna look back, whether it be Jed or or, uh, if he hires another GM or whatever it is, the next team that the Cubs are competing and they're good, we're not going to be talking about these moves when we probably should be. And it doesn't mean that, you know, be, you know, jumping down that we traded Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. That's not what I'm saying. But these moves make a big difference. And if the moves weren't made and you weren't able to sign these guys, you would have been in the exact same position except with no prospects in the winter. And that is a very tough pill to swallow, considering all the talent that they got, they've got, they gotten back. Um, so there, there's positives and negatives to it all. Um, but I still contend that this is something that had to happen. It, it, ju- it just had to happen, considering what was going on with the team, lack of production, the disagreements on salaries, so on and so forth. This was bound to happen. Everything you know, has to come to an end. Eventually, it was inevitable. And Thursday and Friday is, that was the day of reckoning. That was the day of reckoning that Theo had talked about for years. And it finally came, and, uh, you know, I don't think anyone is ever going to forget it, unfortunately. Blake, welcome to the class. What's up?
5: Man, I uh, just got back from D.C. Was out there this weekend. I think it was a rough rough weekend for – for both clubs talked to a lot of Nat, nats fans that were uh, that were pretty down as well but uh yeah hey wanted to uh and, and you just touched on some of this but I, my main question for you was uh, mostly about the ricketts family and if you have I'm looking for a little morale a little confidence boost in you know having hopes that that uh, yeah. they that they're, they're going to be willing to spend like a Big market franchise because I, I guess from where I sit, you know, over the last three or four years, you know, I, I don't know that we'll ever know what really happened behind the scenes with the budget and and whatnot. But from from the outside, it felt like that there were opportunities to supplement the core that we had. Yeah, at, at the at the very least on the edges, and you know, I, I mean, obviously Hayward is a rough contract, and I don't think anybody would, would deny that. I think you know, maybe after you's first year, after bad news's first year, you know, yeah. people were a, a little disappointed how that went. Obviously that turned around, but I think in the moment it felt like, you know, maybe they closed the purse strings at that point and said, I mean, I, I think even when they signed Castellanos for, you know, the million bucks or whatever they spent to get him for the last couple months of months yeah. of, of the season that he was around, it you know, the reports were that Theo and Jed had to go and, you know, Gets the ring of the Ricketts to, to get yeah. that million do- to get that million dollars to even, you know, have them there for a few months. And obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was a helpful addition for the few months he was around. So, yeah, it, yeah in any case, bottom line is uh, I'm, I'm nervous about the Ricketts and, and I'm just looking to hear your your perspective on it. No, they're definitely going to have to change
1: the way they do things if they
5: want to, you know,
1: garner the respect and the trust from the fans. I'm not denying that at all. Again, like I've been saying, everyone's at fault here. Ownership, front office, players, everyone's at at fault. It wasn't just, well, we, we put so much resources into this team. No, I mean, you did. You did. You were up there in payroll, I think, going back 2000 uh eight 17 or 18 one of the two uh a couple of years you were right at the top then you kind of wavered off you didn't you know take that next step you did go over the luxury tax twice which is commendable i understand that but yeah they're they're gonna have to do better practice absolutely they are going to have to garner the trust of the fans um and i think i'm mean, not to put a timeline on it for what's going to happen and A deadline on it, but this is why this offseason, I think, is so critical because I think that's the framework of what's going to happen. Are you going to go one year with kind of like, hey, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to spend. We're just going to run the balls out there for another year, or are you going to be aggressive going into 2022? Maybe not build a World Series team next year, obviously, but are you going to at least invest into the next group starting this offseason? I would hope that they are. I think it is cut and dry why they should but only they can prove it right like they're the ones cutting the checks they're the ones making the the final decisions on these things and I, I hope they can just be a little bit more accountable for what they've done um I think the criticism is definitely fair I don't know if all the criticism is fair but the, absolutely there is uh, definitely a lack of trust between them and the fans and I know a lot of people are going to bring up well it was COVID You know, the new TV deal, we didn't know it was going to happen, the whole real estate thing. Uh, People aren't going into the hotel and the bars and restaurants. I totally get it. I I, I totally understand it. I think they got way too over their skis. Granted, you could say that for a lot of people during this pandemic uh, leading into what happened. But uh, they need to show and prove that they can open up the checkbook again and write some big checks and doing it fast. I hope that happens immediately this off season. And I just think, again, I would say this is one of the most important. I I feel like I've been saying that over the last couple of years, but I feel like this is one of the most important off seasons moving forward because it's going to really tell you on where they think they're at. And if we get reports that the Cubs don't want to spend, I think it's going to be really disheartening for a lot of people, myself included, because I just don't know if it would be justified considering all the talk that we had heard for so long from the Ricketts family. We should be the top spenders every year. We have the resources to do that. We should be, you know, putting the most resources into our team on a consistent basis. We shouldn't have to go through rebuilds. We should do all these things to make sure we're at the top of the industry. Um, and I hope they can uh, really live by that over the, over the next couple months going into the off season, because, it can really change the framework and uh, expectations, the whole outlook of what's going to happen moving forward. And if, if they can be if they can spearhead that effort, it's up to them. If they can do that. Then I think this is going to go totally different and better than how a lot of people are talking right now.
5: Appreciate it. Tom. God bless,
1: man. Thanks, Blake. Thank you. Thanks, Blake. Drug. Hopefully I got your name right. You're up next.
6: Yeah, thank you, man. Hey, Dom, how you doing? Thanks for
1: doing What's this. What's up? How you doing?
6: I'm good, man. So my question was regarding um, sort of the pitching. You kind of already touched on a few uh, things about this, but I yeah. was wondering, in terms of having a true ace, which I feel like the Cubs have lacked since Prime Lester. Uh, I was wondering, do you think in the off season maybe the Cubs can look for either a short term option like getting JV? I know you know Chicago's wanted him for a while. He left Chicago or maybe going for a more long term higher money guy like Syndergaard? What, what are your thoughts on sort of finally figuring out this ace situation
1: well i mean i would say they they had a full on ace with bad news i mean that was uh I, no offense but i would i would beg to differ bad news was as legit as they they came and i mean i agree you
6: know. but Hendricks was pitched opening day that year so you know, no, I get, it. I get that you're knowing that he was going to be the guy. I'm
1: just kind of, I understand you know, just to solidify I, I, it opening day. Yeah, I understand what they're saying. For sure, they need an ace. I think that's priority number one moving forward, whether it be this offseason or next offseason. They're going to have to sign a big money pitcher, a guy you can take the ball like a John Lester. It's going to have to happen if, if, the rest of the, the pitchers, uh, you know, Thompson, Mrazley, and Steele can fill those roles in the rotation. You still have Kyle Hendricks there, who presumably is going to, you know, have probably at the end of the year, he's going to have three RA and he's going to put up like very similar numbers and he's going to do it forever. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, they, they, they absolutely need an ace. And I think. That's priority number one. I think probably Jed, when he's talking to the radio stations this morning, I think that's probably what it, they're, they're focusing on. Is like, who is the guy that they are going to attack? Let's, let's think back to 2015, 16, 17, 18, when they were really spending the money, being aggressive in free agency. The articles that were being written about them, like this was the top free agent destination, going back Jason Hayward, Bad News, Ben Zobris, John Lester, John Lackey, like the list goes on and on. Remember, they did spend that money. They did spend that money. Um, they were targeting those players for a long time. They knew what they were getting. And I think that's kind of where Jed is at now. He has a blank canvas. He has he has pieces in the major on the major league roster that he can work with and start building this next team. I think that's the type of talk that you're you're gonna get from Jed is is it this offseason that we're gonna go for that guy? Is it next offseason? Because it's going to happen. It has to happen if they want to be competitive. Uh, So I don't know if I can necessarily give you an answer. If it is Cinder, I don't know if he's an absolute true ace, uh, considering some of his inconsistencies. Incredibly talented, obviously, coming off the injury. Um, But, yeah, it's going to have to happen. As a Cubs fan, I'm excited to see who Jed is going to lock in on, and and who this new front office is going to lock in on. Let's let's also remember too, Jed's going to have to hire a GM, so it's a new, uh, you know, uh, a new voice in the organization. Uh, there are plenty of other guys who have come in recently uh, in this front office, so I'm excited about it. But you're absolutely right; it definitely has to be addressed. It's Arguably, priority number one moving forward.
6: Thanks for answering that. And just one Got more it. quick quick one. I was wondering, um, you know, I've kind of been looking into the prospects as I know we all have you know, throughout yeah. the trade. That, you know, a lot of these guys are pretty young and stuff. And I know that sure. it's always good to have, you know, prospect capital for trades and stuff. But I'm wondering when you expect some of these guys to be real difference makers outside of Brandon Davis, of course.
1: Yeah, I mean, probably 2024, I would say. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, it seems like that's kind of the year when a lot of these young guys are going to be available. Brennan Davis is obviously the exception of that. He'll, he'll be here earlier, and we need him to be a guy. Um, but 2024, that doesn't mean I think the Cubs, that's when the window should open in 2024. Absolutely not. I think that's what can be interesting about this reset is that you can be aggressive in free agency. You can use the talent that you have on the roster right now to build out this next team knowing that you have pieces coming in 2024 and 2025 which can be a huge plus considering the financial Flexibility that you have. Yeah, I, I stay around there, but that does not mean all. all I believe that it opens Like Jed head are, you know, we're talented right now, but compared to two teams, I think there's so much more talent on this roster than there was going back. Uh, going back to that time, which is definitely exciting. Thank you. Yeah, you
7: got it. Sam, right. good, how about yourself? Doing What's good, Sam? So, hey, I want to be a little bit of glass half full guy for a yeah. second. Um, talking about bad news and Dirty Craig, I mean, there were times during their tenure here, obviously, that I would have traded a bag of baseballs for those guys. We got like six or seven guys out of that. Oh, so.
5: yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, said dirty I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I said Dirty Craig was done
1: last year. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, a lot of, again, you're totally right, and I think a lot of people forget about that. Like, I love bad news to the death, but, yeah, he he had a really rough 2018. Craig was bad, straight up bad for two years. Like, we didn't get anything out. So, and this kind of what goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time. Like, the fact that that the Cubs really underperformed, and you, you had these bad free signings at the time, like, It makes sense that things didn't work out. And I think, like you said, people should really look back and be like, wow, like we actually got like a starting second base from this guy and a a legit, you know, young bullpen piece. Like the fact that that actually happened, even though he's been a great year, is something that we should definitely be thankful for because it could have gone so much worse. Bad news could have totally tanked, never actually become bad news. Craig Kimball could have like flat out retired. Uh, the fact that we got something <laughs> from it, you're absolutely right, is is definitely uh
7: something to be thankful for for sure. Which is where I go uh glass at empty guy, because one thing I just can't wrap my head around is how a new team, especially like a team like the White Sox, doesn't want Jason Hayward for twenty percent of his uh contract. Yeah, how do we I'm move Marisnik, but we can't move Hayward?
1: No, I I mean it's uh it's I think every team, especially right now, I'm, I'm not trying to make COVID as an excuse, but with the presumed losses, I'm not saying they were real, but again, no, we don't have the balance sheets as fans. Like the presumed losses in 2020, I don't think there's any team out there that is just going to be like, oh, like Jason Hayward, yeah, sure we'll take them on for like a Cubs prospect when the Cubs don't want to give up any prospects. So we are in a really tough spot. It's just a really bad free agent deal. It's it's like one of the, arguably one of the worst of all time, and uh, this I, I I'm I'm over it to the sense where I don't really like to talk about it anymore because I've yeah. been down that right I went down that road and came I've been from hell and back with Jason Award to the point where I'm numb to everything he does absolutely everything yeah. he does and it's just like it is what it is like I I, I would love for them to just be a man and just eat the money because. He's arguably taken up a spot. I mean, I guess you can run him out
7: there again, but I mean, yeah, I just don't know how a team doesn't want it, want him as a defense replacement. In eighth, oh, yeah, you know? yeah,
1: I understand that. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, do you
7: think it's a Ross thing?
1: No, no, I don't. I just think teams. I I, I think the Cubs want to give up more money uh, in a deal like that, and teams are like, no, we don't want to do that if we're just using it as defensive replacement. And let's also remember. Jason Ayers, 32. Yeah, he can still play the outfield, but he's old. the 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 contract doesn't match up to the intangibles that you would be getting from a guy like that, which is just it's tough. Maybe they can do something in the off That would be an absolute miracle. Um, but it's just an all time bad free agent signing, and I'm not, not gonna use it as an excuse for why the Chicago Cubs did not go on to re-sign Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javier Reyes. but you can't tell me that that hasn't played a huge role in how the Cubs think about free agent deals moving forward. It should.
6: That rain delay.
1: I know. Yeah, I know. I hear it all the time. I've heard it for three years. I hear you. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a groundbreaking, uh, trend-setting time in this franchise's history that is always going to look at free agency differently, and I guarantee it played a role. So why the Cubs weren't comfortable paying as much money as these players. Were.
7: Yeah. I know, uh, last thing I'll just say is I, I know this is tough, uh, but I think 2015, I know 2016 was awesome, yeah. but 2015 was my favorite year as being a Cub fan. Yeah. And I just can't wait for the pressure to go away and watch these kids develop.
1: For sure. Yeah. And that's, I, I totally agree. It's something that we should be celebrating that, oh, we have the pressures off now, but, yeah, but watching baseball is a lot more fun when it's new, when it's fresh. I think White Sox fans will agree with you uh, definitely moving forward as expectations heightened. Uh, and it's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. It's draining when you are expected to win on a consistent basis. It doesn't matter who you are. This, this, this happens all throughout the league, and it definitely can become somewhat of a toxic environment. And it's honestly why I try to do what I do because those expectations can be really draining and fans get tired of it. And if they don't have anything positive to look at, it becomes total, you know, stress. And that's not why fans watch baseball, you know? Yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. Some new, some fresh, and uh, hopefully it comes sooner than future. for sure. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Adam, I got about like one more question. Well,
0: Dylan Miles, I'm sorry, but Press Press put his RSVP
1: in yeah, via did. Twitter. He did. Press,
0: Good Press you. how are
1: you? Press, I'm surprised you're here. You said you weren't gonna make it. I know, fellas.
0: I'm I'm sorry. I uh, I was in meetings. I missed like the whole first half of the conversation, but damn, what a week. I was like, I gotta what what a week? I gotta call in if I can.
1: <laughs> I know. Um, what absolutely.
0: I know. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it here with a, um, I'm gonna end it here with, with a, a zinger, hopefully. <laughs> I'm sad, you know, um, yeah. we let a legend sure. go. We let a complete legend go. We didn't, I don't feel like we did too much to try and entice him to stay. But of course, of course, I'm talking about the veteran organist of 33 years, Gary Pressy. A couple of years ago. yeah, And uh, we're talking about game experience here. But there's some incredible parallels because we brought in two guys, two untested guys in Josh Langhoff and John Benedict. Yeah. And they've brought a new game to the air of the experience at Wrigley Field. Dom, what I'm wondering from you is what have you noticed about the in-game experience and what parallels can we draw from the turnover from a legendary player to some
1: new unproven guys that's a great question press and i I think it's a good one to finish on i I wouldn't expect anything less from you yeah i think uh maybe maybe i can't speak to it as much for the in-game stuff but definitely it is a little different which i like no offense to your pressy but i think the parallel specifically is that and i and i said that from the beginning going back to when we had took uh you know, the president of baseball operations. I think the biggest thing moving forward, we saw that with the trades this weekend, is that Jed is not necessarily going to try to right the wrongs for the last seven years, but there is going to be a much different approach to how things are done. You are not going to see a team that is home run or bust. You're not gonna see a team that is, you know, uh strikeout, uh walk, home run. Like it's gonna to be totally different. There's gonna be much more diversity certification throughout the lineup and i think it's important to note that and i know a lot of fans have noticed this going back to the changes but a team like the dodgers like the astros that put the ball in play consistently get on base have good at bats can grind it out against pitchers that is the framework that i think the cubs are trying to follow and i why the astros have been as productive as they have granted the cheating of course but the fact that they are still getting it done with the same players, with the same fra- framework, working that diversity throughout the lineup is definitely something that Chad is going to want to take into this next group. And I think that is the specific parallel, trying something new, whether it be with, with the organist or something else throughout Wrigley. So I'm excited for it. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm fired up that all these guys are gone, but it's definitely a new approach that I'm looking forward to and, again, I might be speaking as too much realist. I might be too objective about this. But this was bound to happen. This was bound. It was inevitable. When you win as young as they did, when you see guys, you know, uh, and the agents they have, like the way baseball is, they want to get paid and eventually going to get paid. The Cubs were never going to be able to pay everyone. And I think that's just something that we're going to have to live with rest of our lives it's the it's the fact of the matter and it's just uh, uh it's something something we have to deal with but it doesn't mean there are some positive things and exciting things moving forward and i'm going to be here for that and that's something that i always look forward to it doesn't mean i'm fired up that they're gone but i'm, I'm looking forward to something new something different something a different type of baseball that we can see on a consistent basis and uh press great great finishing question i love it <laughs>
0: Well, let me, I'll sign off and, and say goodbye. Thank you for the answer. Um, but I, I've got tickets to the uh, Pirates coming up that first homestand or the, the first weekend in September. Um, yeah. And uh, honestly, I, I'm sad about the last few days, but I had this realization where I was like, instantly I was transported to like 2011, 2012 oh. when, when I went to those games and with Very little expectation to win, but I just I still had an awesome time. And all of a sudden I found myself looking forward to that Pirates series coming up where I was like, this is like I had a great time when I went to games back when they were losing because it's about the atmosphere. It's about the whole package, you know, and I want the team to win. Yeah. But I'm also not upset. Like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna gonna drink the beer. I'm gonna eat the hot dogs. I'm gonna have a like a Wrigley day and yeah. like and this has not changed
1: you know so that's that, why. that that's why it's different that's why it's different that's why i think it's exciting nice. what we can build again you know it's not it's not your regular standard u.s ballpark where it's, you know like they all look the same and it's really man it's just different well, bless you Park.
0: and your family dom Talk thanks press. Soon, i man.
1: appreciate it you too thanks beautiful as always Fred, take us with the do really quick. Uh, uh, Olive Garden breadsticks dinner and take us out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can go any. Uh, I, I tweeted it and I, I really meant it. Uh, after Brazil was trade on Thursday, I just wanted to go to our and I end up. I ended up not going that night, but just wanted to go, just blow out the tab, eat a billion breadsticks. It's just a, such a glorious place, fine dining at the at the fullest. Um, who I'm taking this week is Ortega. He's keeping the energy. He's keeping the spark. Um, I'll I will be I will stand firm on this. I'm not saying Ortega's is necessarily the guy, but I think the Cubs have some bench pieces that can stay on this team moving forward um, or be role players, uh, which I'm really excited about. Pat Wisdom, David Cody you know Ortega potentially. Listen, it's the guys that are keeping it fun, um, and these matter these games absolutely matter if the cubs especially if the cubs go on and be aggressive this offseason. like there's some there's a few of these guys who are going to be in the next team and uh I, i'm incredibly excited about that so three tanks last night i think he's like 400 over the last uh since the all-star break something like that um just been doing the job coming out of nowhere he's like 30 years old good for him incredibly happy for what he's doing and i know you know grinding the minor league can be so hard on these guys and uh just very very thankful to see it perform things are going to get better we're going to see a better team moving forward they're going to spend again just depends on when i hope it's this off season but i know things are hard i'm here for everyone and i'm just very thankful for everyone being here we'll continue to do this and you know, as things go on, we'll have some new ideas, new thoughts, and uh, again, it's not going to change. I'm not leaving it at all. Uh, it's Cubs in four, and just fired up for the next group of, of Cubs that can go in a World Series. It's, it's going to happen again. New era coming up. Remember the Golden Era, MoralesApplyCo.com. Absolutely. We Golden Era T-shirts. We're closing that. We're closing it Wednesday, so yeah. you guys know how it goes. Uh, once it's down, it's down. And uh, thanks. thanks, everyone. I appreciate it. God bless you and your family. And uh, see you all tomorrow night for the cup and God bless. See hey you guys. Thank you. See you guys.